I chose verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it. Today, uh, we're gonna, going to be studying the successful family trains their kids, but first we have a video. Get up out of bed, wash your face, brush your teeth, calm your sleepy head. Here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said. Get up now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework at? Grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Eat your breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tall. Because remember the orthodontist will be seeing you at three to Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play. Don't shovel, choose lovely, but hurry. The bus is here, be careful. Come back. Did you wash behind your ears? Play outside, don't play rough. Would you just play fair? Be polite, make a friend. Don't forget to share. Work it out, wait your turn. Never take a dare. Get along. Don't make me come down there. Clean your room, fold your clothes, put your stuff away. Make a bed, do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some hay? Can you even hear a word I say? Answer the phone. Get off the phone. Don't sit so close. Turn it down. No texting at the table. No more computer time tonight. Your iPod's my iPod if you don't listen up. Where you going and with whom and what time do you think you're coming home? Say thank you, please excuse me, makes you welcome everywhere you roam. You'll appreciate my wisdom someday when you're older and you're grown. Can't wait till you have a couple little children of your own. You'll thank me for the counsel I gave you so willingly. But right now, I thank you not to roll your eyes at me. Close your mouth when you chew. We'd appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your fork, do not burp, or I'll set you straight. Eat the food I put up on your plate. Get an egg in the door. Don't get smart with me. Get a grip, get in here. I'll count two, three. Get a job, get a life, get a PhD. Get a dose of straight and tell the truth for once for heaven's sake and if all your friends jumped off a cliff would you jump too if i've said it once i've said at least a thousand times before that you're too old to act this way it must be your father's dna look at me when i am talking stand up straighter when you walk a place for everything and everything must be in place stop crying or i'll Something real to cry about. Oh! Wash your teeth, wash your face, get your PJs on, get in bed, get a hug, say a prayer with mom. Don't forget, I love you. And tomorrow we will do this all again because your moms are never empty. You don't need the reason why. Because, 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 because. I said so, I said so, I said so, I said so. I'm the mom, the mom, the mom, the mom, the mom. Ta-da! Okay. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's really parenting um, in three minutes. And uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that, um, for, first off, I, I love the book of Proverbs, and I've been pouring through the whole, book of, the whole book of Proverbs for the last several weeks, and we're doing a series um, that we're calling The Successful Family. And today, we're looking at how the successful family trains their children. And, um, of course, you can look at all through the book of Proverbs, and um, there's no real main theme for Proverbs. There's, uh, it goes from subject to subject, and back to subject, it goes back and forth, but you can find all these 
these scriptures and these couplets and, and uh, these wisdom, mostly sayings from King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And um, you can group them into different topics, and there's lots of them that talk about parenting. And um, I, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to go today, and we're going to see five... Um, themes that come out of the book of, of Proverbs, starting with training, on, on training your children. And I want to start with this very first one. I think that we should start there. Training your children is commanded by God. God says that we should do it. When he says, when God says something that we should do, what should we do? We, we should do it. Yeah, okay. That's good. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Proverbs 19.18 says this. It's very clear. It says, discipline your son or your daughter, please understand that the implication here is children, not just male. Um, Please discipline your son and your daughter while there is hope. Do not set your heart on his destruction. Now, as we launch in today, I would like to point out to you something that is incredibly obvious, but I just want to say it, that we're not sitting in your psychologist's office today. We're not on the phone talking about your, your closest friend's opinion about what you ought to do. We're not, um, we're not, we're not seeking the opinion of The View um, uh, or Dr. Phil or Oprah. In fact, if, if somehow this message gets out somewhere today, the last thing I expect tomorrow is a phone call from Whoopi Goldberg saying, hey, could you come on The View and talk about how to raise children? I don't think so. Um, and, and what we're doing here today is we're not in any of those places. We're actually in the Word of God. And, and when, we're, when we're studying the Word of God, we need to have a sense among ourselves that, that, that says this, 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 what we're going to be talking about are not just clever ideas. These are just not something somebody really smart thought up somewhere. Um, this isn't the latest article from Better Homes and Gardens or Reader's Digest. This is, this is God's Word. And so when God says, uh, gives us some guidance about something, we need to be on that, right? Wouldn't you agree? Okay, so um, when God says these words, discipline your son, you ought to be going like, yeah, okay, all right, that makes sense. I'm going to do that. It's commanded by God. And in this, 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 he's saying, you know, make a move. Get off the couch. Do something. Discipline your son when it's appropriate to do something. Do something. It's commanded by God. The text goes on and it says, while there is hope. And the idea in this scripture is that there is a season where there is hope. So therefore, by definition, there must be a place where that season comes to an end. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's a time when there's no hope. There's always hope in God. But when in the context of the role of parenting, there is a season and those seasons end. I've got three grown kids and I don't ground my daughter anymore. To be sure, I have the opportunities to influence and, and participate and hope and pray and do all those kinds of things with my children and grandchildren. But my season, my opportunity to discipline my daughter and my two sons is closed. There's a time when you have an opportunity and there is a time when that opportunity ends to discipline your children. Okay, So that's what this is referring to. When there is still hope, Discipline your children. Discipline them when you have the opportunity because that time does come to an end. And in that time, there will be specific circumstances that will come up, that, that we'll just call opportunities, where you'll become aware as a parent, you'll see something, and, and, and in your mind you'll be thinking, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I'm upset by this, I'm angry, this is blah, blah, blah. But opportunity's knocking right now. If I get on this, I can make some real headway 
for my child's future. And as a parent, once you've been there a couple of times, you realize that, you'll go, oh, okay, this is something where you can kind of detach yourself from the emotions of the moment and invest yourself in a loving way for your child's future if you don't miss the opportunity. Discipline your son while there is still hope, is what that scripture is saying. Now, um, I mean, that's the time, too, I think, sometimes, where you just, everything stops, so you can put your time and your focus on that. And the rest of this verse, it goes on, and it says, Do not set your heart on his destruction. Other translations say it differently. (laughs) The English Standard Version says, Do not set your heart upon putting him to death. Okay. I mean, um, I mean, that makes sense. It's not meant like, there, there isn't something here. This is not saying what you think it's saying. I mean, I get it. I'm not thinking that I'm supposed to kill my son, okay? That is, but that's not even what this scripture is talking about. Literally, the Hebrew here, it, it says this. It says, to his destruction, do not lift your soul. To his destruction, the idea is that, that failure to, to obey this command to discipline is part is participation in the downfall and destruction of your own child. Failure to discipline your children is to participate in their own downfall and their destruction of their future. Do not set your heart upon the destruction of your child. So training your children is commanded by the Lord. Now, this principle is, is sprinkled all through um, scriptures, and we're going to see it in other places in Proverbs. And the next one I'm going to read is, I, I decide, I, I like to flop, flop the skunk right up on the table, okay? So I'm going to take one of the most controversial scriptures and just, let's do that one, okay? So maybe it's immaturity, it's just, I'd rather take the most controversial one, and we'll talk about it, and see what's really going on there, and see, see if it's as, as objectionable as you really think. Verse, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 13 says this, in the New Century Version, it says, don't fail to punish your children. If you spank them, they won't die. Wow, there it is. Spank. Oh, man. Now, this, this particular verse um, is where a lot of people get hung up because our culture tells you it's evil to spank your children. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm frankly going to be okay with it if Hoopy and the cast of The View don't agree with what I teach today. I'm not going to teach you what culture says is popular. I'm going to teach you what God says in his word, and I'm going to help you see his heart behind it and why, why God teaches this way. Okay, so now, so, so now, so here, let's get to the controversial translations. The same scripture in some of the others, it says this, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Now, I look at that, and I think, whoa, overkill, What's that? Because in our, con- in our culture, we hear that phrase, beat him with a rod, can mean lots of different things in different cultures. I conjure up, when I read that, I, I conjure up a picture of somebody with a bat smacking and doing something that's completely not what is in that scripture. But that's what our culture, that's what that phrase means. So what exactly is going on? I mean, I mean your culture can, another thing would be that, to me, when I grew up, a rod was a 32 Ford. So beating me with a rod means something else, too. I mean, but that's obviously um, way, way, way out of context here. And, and here's the thing. If you've studied this scripture, people who have studied this scripture and understand it and also know God's loving heart understand, and they don't have any problem with this passage because they understand what God's saying here. 
And I've looked at this in lots of different translations, and I have dissected this particular verse. And uh, you can see the phrase, beat him with a rod. But more, more commonly and more accurately in our culture, the, the, the scripture there is translated punish or spank. And uh, this, this rod in this, in this particular passage, it literally is this reed-like stick that um, would be used to spank. And, and you'll see also the word rod used reference all throughout Scripture, and particularly in Proverbs. It's symbolic of training. It's symbolic of the authority to correct. And, um, and is no, nowhere is it symbolic of injuring. There is nowhere that it's, that it's meant to be harmful. And, and you know what? I, I just want to say this. I, I hate it in life when I'm working through life and someone will take something that I have said and just put a spin on it just enough to change the heart and the intent and to make me reflect something different than I never said. And that's what's going on when this, this particular passage is taken out of context in our culture and casts God in this harsh, unloving light that is not who he is and is not what he said. So... Um, I want to encourage you not to um, get all medieval in your thinking about this scripture because that's not where God is. In fact, he's saying the exact opposite. He's saying, now buckle up for a second here. He's saying to not spank is harmful. Can you imagine that? He's saying that if you withhold the appropriate loving correction of your children, you participate in their downfall and their destruction. Those are hard words, but that's what he's saying. So I'm going to go back to the less inflammatory um, translation, and we'll use that one um, back to the new century. It says, don't fail to punish your children. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I think I understand that phrase. Right? Okay? Don't fail to punish your children. You say, well, Pastor Terry, what does that mean in Hebrew? Don't fail to punish your children. It's pretty clear, isn't it? It really is. And, and God is saying you know, to, to us, if you love God, if you, if you trust his word, if you love your kids, don't fail in this. The verse continues, if you spank them, they won't die. Now, this rod, this, this word rod in Proverbs, symbolic of training, it doesn't mean just the rod um, the spanking, it meets the rod and every other tool that's available to parents. Um, you know, it, the, the, literally it's a reed-like stick. I mean, some people use a paddle. At our house, when we had kids and we were using this scripture directly, it was a wooden spoon. And, um, and spanking, by the way, is for small children. Small children. And um, there would be times where something would be going on and Lisa would say to one of our kids, because I would never do this, um, she would say to one of the kids, go get the spoon. (laughs) And all of a sudden, behavior would change. (laughs) Just the implication that, you know, I made you a promise, now we're going to execute it. And and, and, um, just, you know, it was a symbol almost of parental authority. And... There is something in a small child that the fear of pain, along with respect for authority, molds together in this heaven-engineered process that literally shapes their will. It shapes their will. And it's something that's heaven-engineered. Now, no trick question here. Don't mean to invade anybody. But 
Um, how many of you grew up in a home where there was some spanking at some point? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I know that there are people who are really horrified by this topic because, and I know that there's abuse that goes on that is wickedness. It is just terrible. It's great wickedness. And a loving parent is not going to wound a child. A loving parent is not going to leave marks on him. A loving parent is, 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 a godly parent doesn't do those things. And, and you might think to yourself, yeah, but he cries. He cries when I do that. You know, that, that's okay. He's not going to die. He'll be fine, provided, provided that, that you are administering discipline in a godly way and, um, and with a loving heart and never in anger. Everybody say never. Never. Okay, never in anger, but in love. And your, your point there is to train them, bringing consequences that support the lessons that you're trying to learn them. Proverbs twenty three fourteen. the next verse says, If you spank them, you will save them from death. Now, that word death is literally, sheol is the word that, that's, that's, that's in the original scripture. The word sheol gets translated different ways at different points in scripture. There's times that it's translated as the word grave, and there's times that it's, that it's translated as um, the place of where people go after they die that you don't want to be, okay? And this is not saying that if you spank your child, they will live forever. That is not what this is saying, okay? This is not refer- referencing the grave. This is talking about where, you, where they don't want to end up in eternity. So obviously, the teaching here is that by spanking your children you are training them and giving them spiritual protection. They may last them by the grace of God through all eternity. So don't fail in this. This is a big deal. This, you don't want to fail in a place where the stakes are so huge. Training your children is commanded by God. The second thing is, training your children must be age-appropriate. Proverbs twenty nine nineteen, Words alone cannot correct a servant because even if he understands, he won't respond. Now, if you have a 16-year-old, I'm not suggesting that you spank, you know, you spank him. I mean, training has to be age-appropriate. But, but notice this, by, by mere words, a servant is not disciplined. Now, this could be taken as a reference to, to what I would call time-out parenting. And I, mean, I, I, I want to say, of course, I think there's wisdom in, in that as one of the tools. You know, I, mean, I think there's wisdom to take time out to, for a child to reflect, to calm down. Maybe sometimes you've got to give them a time out from something that they were doing, that they were enjoying because you've got to shape their will with something. But, but, but used exclusively, time out parenting, the only way we just, is time out, time out, time out. You know, at best, it can be a little bit of help. But at worst, it's ineffective. And, and, that's, and here's why God says that that's true. He says, because even if he understands, he won't respond. The problem with, with training a child, the challenge in training them, is a problem of the will. It's that we have this sinful bent. And talk and time out, get, they, they get to the mind. But where they don't get is to the will. 
where the real issues are. James Dobson, who's this pretty famous guy, he's given his life to training Christian, training he's, the Christian family. He, he's, 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 here's a quote. When you encounter your child's will, win, and win decisively. <laughs> decisively, you know, because that's what training's all about. Whose will is going to win at the end of the day? That's the real bottom line here. You know, it's almost like you're saying to your little one, you know, you, you wouldn't actually say this to a little one, but you know, like you represent foolishness and, and sinfulness and immaturity. And I carry the awesome responsibility as a parent to represent God in this. And your will will never win out over God's will in this life or in the life to come. So it starts right there in the home. We're commanded to train our children. We're, the training has to be age-appropriate. Words alone cannot correct a servant because even if he understands, he won't respond. Now, now here's the truth that, that underlies this, this, that we don't want to hear and we kind of don't want to reject it, and that's this, that pain is a very powerful teacher. You know, um, so much so that God has woven pain into the fabric of every sinful act. Every sinful act. There's, there's not a sin that won't bring sooner and later some pain in your life. You know, there's this old saying, choose to sin, choose to suffer. You know, yeah, have you heard that? I mean, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Why is it? It's because God loves me enough that all human behavior works that way. Do the right thing and blessing comes sooner and later. Do the wrong thing, pain comes sooner and later. And we're talking about the pain that comes from doing wrong things that children are going to experience. And so, you know, this, this is our point. Now, I want to say this is the message right here. If you catch something today, this is what pain, what we want them to do is to, to we want them to avoid this pain that they're going to experience later because of choices that we'll make that we'll call choices of consequence. We, we, we want them not to experience pain later that will scar their lives. Because everybody eventually experiences the choose to sin, choose to suffer thing. So I want to give you a definition for parenting, and this is long and wordy, and so we we'll, might, might want to leave this one up a little bit, Marlene. Parental training is applying and amplifying the consequences of wrong choice before the consequences are big enough to scar their life. Let's go through that one more time. Parental training is applying and amplifying the consequences, making them bigger, of wrong choices before the consequences are big enough to scar their lives. You know, why does little Johnny get spanked for not putting his blocks away? Does anybody here care? If Johnny puts his, <laughs> do you really care? I mean, okay, it'd be nice not to trip on them, but, but at the end of the day, if he's told to do it and he won't do it and he refuses to do it, what parental training does is it steps in and it, it amplifies consequences, makes them bigger for that little issue because we want him to learn something b- before his choices can be big enough to actually scar his life. You know, another example is you got a little child, a five-year-old child in the store, swipes a pack of gum in the pocket. How big a deal is that? Well, okay, 50 cents or a dollar's worth. I mean, it's not, it's not in, the, in, in our economy, it's not too big a deal. But a wise parent 
looks at that and says, oh, this, 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 this is the seed of a devastating future. I got to jump on this. I got to make this into a much bigger deal than it really is. And they step in and they apply and they amplify consequences before those actions are big enough to scar the, ch- the, the child for life. That's parenting. Or another one, your child lashes back at you in anger. Ah! You know, whatever they do. <laughs> what will happen if they do that in high school? What will, what will happen if they do that in college? What will happen if they do that to a police officer, to their boss, to their wife, or their children? What will happen? Nothing good. Correct answer. I mean, oh, but it's not that big a deal. I'm their parent. Or, oh, no, he's just a little tired and cranky and needs a little nappy. <laughs> the wise family trains their children. Parental training is applying and amplifying the consequences of wrong choices. You know, I make them bigger than they are. I make those consequences bigger. I make the pain bigger. I just make the whole thing bigger. Why? Because I want them to learn when the stakes are small, when they're tiny. So they don't have to learn when the stakes are big and the pain goes deep and the scar lasts for their life. Now, I mean, this can sound so trite, and, and I just, I'll say it because it's true. I really love you people, and I care about you. And I know that sitting in this room right now, there will be people here who, you never got this from your parents. And you had to learn, as adults, hard lessons. And now you carry scars for your lifetime because of selfish parenting that would not teach you big lessons when the stakes were small. And I want to say that being in the body of Christ, being a Christian, part of that is is the ability and the responsibility to break the chain of failure that maybe has gotten to this point in your life. This, This chain of failure maybe that was there from your parents or your grandparents. You know, what they didn't get done... I'm going to get done in my life. I'm going to get done for my kids. And hopefully my children will be better parents than I ever thought I could ever be. Training your children has to be age appropriate. So I'm going to give four tools that are in the hand of every parent. Every one of you parents has these tools in your hands in varying degrees, degrees um, and depending on the age. So the first tool is you have the rod, spanking. Now, spanking is only for willful defiance. It's never for mistakes. It's never for immaturity. It's for deliberate disobedience. It's for lying. It's for refusing. It's, it's for disobeying. And how do you spank? Never in anger. Everybody say never. 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 Okay, never in anger. You, you, what you do is you separate the child and you, you explain to them what they did wrong and then you spank them. And I believe you immediately restore them to fellowship. No, lock them up in their room. You think about this for now, you come back. Because God doesn't do that. God says, I will never leave you and forsake you. Okay? So, so immediately restore them to fellowship. Ages, roughly ages two to five, um, you spank as needed. And maybe from six ish to 10, it's very sparingly. I mean, as the kids get older, it's greatly, greatly diminished. 
And then there's the second tool that begins to take over, and that tool is reproof. Now, this is a word you see. It's all through Proverbs. It's a, it's a strong rebuke. It's, it's, it shows up in your face and in your deep voice, and it's big, and it's loud, and it's serious. <laughs> Don't do that again, or, or else. And if you say, or else, you better really have an or else. Here's something. You can write this one down. Don't make threats to your children. Make promises. If you say, if you do this, here's what will happen. Make sure that that's what happens. Keep your promises, both this kind and every kind with your kids. Don't make threats, though. Make promises. The third tool for parents committed to train their kids and and to wisdom is, and this becomes more um, appropriate as they get older, the removal of freedom. The removal of freedom. You know, after at some appropriate age, around 10, they start having more and more freedoms. And um, if they handle them well, then you give them more freedom. If they handle it poorly, then you pull them back in and the restrictions. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, not, not just talking about being grounded, but I'm talking about other kinds of freedoms. And I really think that this is probably the toughest time of parenting. It's the, really the toughest time of parenting. Because if you've over-pampered your child from zero to 10... Excuse me, but it's going to be World War Z from 10 to 18, or 18. You know, when I say 18, I mean adulthood when they launch. I mean, if you've pampered them and not corrected them from 0 to 10, it's going to be terrible between 11 and 18. It's just a fact. You know, and good choices should produce trust and freedom. And bad choices need some, they produce parental protection and removal of freedom. Because the job of parents is to protect. And, you know, you you, you teach that and um, explain that. Because wise parents give and withhold freedom based upon their desire to protect and to train their kids. You don't give freedom because, boy, I'm tired and would really help, help me. I know you were being corrected and you're not supposed to be driving right now, but go get some milk because I need it and I just don't want to take the time. Protect your kids. It's not, it's, it, when you remove freedom, it's because you're trying to protect and train your kids, not because it's convenient to you. Rod, reproof, removal of freedom, and here's the last one, responsibility. You know, a thousand years before Christ, a long time ago, back when these scriptures were written, 15 to 18-year-olds did not tyrannize their parents. In fact, by that age, many of them were already married and may even have small children. They had a whole bunch of responsibilities on their shoulders. A lot of kids did. The idea of a, of a, of a teenager you know, being a hard, difficult... I mean, today, the primary responsibilities of the average high school... Average. A lot of our kids are not this way, but <laughs> average high school kids in our country was, is to have fun and discover themselves. That's the primary weight upon their shoulders. And... Okay, I want to say this very gently, but that's nonsense. It is. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, get some work on their shoulders. Give them some responsibility because it's this weight of responsibility that will shape and will teach and train and impart wisdom to them. Those are, those are, those are tools, parents, that you have, so use those wisely. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-three says, those who correct others will later be liked more than those who give false praise. And I would just encourage parents who who, you know, it's really a good thing to build your children's esteem, but, but we can over-affirm our children. 
It's possible to go too far with that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you can build a sense of entitlement that's unhealthy. You can, you can, you can actually you can build an ego that cannot be contained. You know where I see this? Um, okay, here's a practical example of where I see this. And um, make sure there's nobody here that's going to step on their toes. Um, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes ever, but, but I've, I've helped um, a local high school baseball team and so I'm not really one of the coaches, but I'm around the coaches and the kids. And I, I, I love the game and I love the kids and all that kind of stuff. But virtually, well, a large majority of the parents of high school baseball players think that their kid is the next Cy Young. Their, their kid is the next Mickey Mantle. And they expect the coaches to start them every time. They have to always bat third or fourth. I mean, those spots are only available to two kids, right? But no, my kids, I mean, and... and and there's this sense of entitlement that my child deserves to be always. I mean, it, it's, it's a place. And, and what happens is we need to ask God for wisdom to give us balance in the things we say to our kids. Listen, I'm in favor of building your kids', par- your, your kids self-confidence and to, to help them have good esteem. But that could go too far. It can go too far. Commanded by God, age appropriate. The third one, training your children, is critically important. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Now, remember, we studied earlier in the series, foolishness is not a lack of information. You know, I knew it. it, it here's foolishness is, I knew it, but I didn't do it. The Bible says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of your child. You know, and as parents, we see things about our kids that are good. Well, he's eager to learn, and you know, he's got a growing heart for God, and she has this desire to please her mom and her dad. Yes, that's true. But bound up with those things, bound up, tied up together, is this, there's a selfishness, and there's pride, and there's, I'm going to do it my way. It's tied in there. That's what this scripture is saying. It's bound up in their heart. And, and those things are tied together. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I'm remembering that the rod is a symbol of all forms of discipline, and it will, Scripture says, will drive it far from him. Now, that word drive literally means widen. The literal translation is the word widen. And, and it's, it's, it's a verb, basically, and it's, it's, it's actually a verb that describes the separation of two things. It's discipline that steps in there and divides those things. You keep the good you ditch the bad. You keep the baby, out goes the bathwater. You got, you got the picture like that. So, so it's discipline that does that. It's the discipline. In fact, this is so critical. Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Now here it comes. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. It's saying, if you don't do this, you hate your child. You've got to be kidding, Pastor Terry. That's pretty harsh. I mean, that's pretty harsh. It's saying whoever spares the right, whoever fails to discipline, whoever chooses not to train, whoever's like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, or um, I'll, you know, I'm tired, or I'll let my wife do it. Whoever fails in this, it's saying hates their kids. It's critically important. Now, one evidence of love is when you put the needs of someone else above yourself. And if I love my child, I don't think about what's going to make me happy. I don't think about what's going to comfort me. I don't think about, I'm too tired. 
I have to put my child's needs above my own. And it says, verse 24, it says, he who loves him is diligent. Commanded by God, age appropriate, critical. A couple more, we're almost there. Training your children is more art than science. Kids are not cookies. There's no recipe. You can't put the, the ingredients into the bowl and come out with perfect cake. Um, you know, we have to have humility about this. We've got to have humility about parenting, especially as we look around at other families. Um, Daniel 4.37 says, God is able to humble those who walk in pride. How many believe that's true? <laughs> God is able to humble those who walk in pride. And another, another one, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds a house, they who build labor in vain. You do the best that you can while knowing that the best you can isn't good enough. You have to have God's help. I so appreciate a family that says, when a dedicated child, and just acknowledge right now, at the beginning of this child's life, we're going to do the best we can. We love our child, but we are going to make mistakes. We need heaven's wisdom. We need God to work in our lives. So, so, so what I want to suggest about this is that you shouldn't look at the children of other people and then somehow pride, pridefully jump in there with the judgment about somebody else's parenting skills. You know, you don't know the story. You don't know the miracle that's in the process. Scripture says God is able to humble those. You don't want to be the one that God's talking about by being prideful. And, and by the way, children make choices. They do. And we just don't want to have any pridefulness get you know, get in, in the way on this. So let's, let's call it, it's more art than science. Train, when, as we train kids, it has, I mean, a couple of sides. We have the instruction side and the correction side, and you're going to need both. Instructions here, see in, in, in Scripture about instructions, you'll see three words that, are, that mean instruction. You'll see instruction, teaching, and commandments. Instruction is something that results in education, you know. Come on, let's, I'll show you how, how we do it. That's instruction. Teaching, teaching refers to, it's, it's a reference to God's law. It's, it's the proactive sharing of the ways of the Lord. The day by day, moment by moment, precept upon precept. Here, here is the way of the Lord. And then the commandments are, you know, that's inherently authoritative. It's, it's, these are the rules of our household. How our family works. We do it this way. And our family values. Proverbs 21 excuse me, 2, verses 1 and 1 to 5. My child, listen to what I say and remember what I commanded you. Listen carefully to wisdom. Set your mind on understanding. This is a picture of a child that's eager to learn. Cry out for wisdom and beg for understanding. Search for it like silver and hunt for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand respect for the Lord. That's literally a more accurate translation of than the phrase fear of the Lord. When you see fear of the Lord, it, it sh- you should understand it to say respect for the Lord in our culture. And you will find that you know God. Well, I want my kids to know God. Okay, on to correction. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and reproof give, gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. This, this word reproof, it's, a, it's actually a legal term that would be used in a court setting. Here's you know, how the court would, be res- would respond when a law has been broken. So when parents, when a law has been broken in your home, it's time for action. The first thing we do is we restate the law to our kids. You know, this is what we're committed to as a family. This is what the right thing is. This is what God's want. God wants. We restate the law. Second thing we do is to them we prove the violation. We, you know, Make sure you know what you're talking about, parents, before you, <laughs> you continue on down this thing. I mean, um, I mean, that you really know what happened. Now, by the way, 
Sometimes your children will have a different view about what really happened than what you will have. You don't necessarily have to prove it to them in a court of law because parents, children also know how to spin things. Okay? And they know how to, they, they can find a way to make, uh, they can find a perspective to make what they did look okay. As a parent, you're the wise one. You're the one with life experience. You're the one with maturity. You have to prove it to yourself. This is what's going on. Okay? But make sure you do that. Third thing, you give a warning or a correction. You say, don't do this, and here's why. Here's what happens when we do what we don't want you to do. Here, here's why God says that we shouldn't do these kinds of things. And then the last thing, of course, is to give the consequences. Now, a parent who steps in to protect their child from appropriate, appropriate consequences from wrong choices is deferring their children's pain today for bigger pain tomorrow. Your child's failing in a class and you go to the teacher and talk the teacher into giving them a passing grade that's, that's really not good parenting. You know, y- your child chooses to break some law, and so you go to the court, the juvenile court, and you talk to the judge and say, leniency, leniency, and, you know, that can have the appearance of wisdom. And I'm not saying don't ever do these things. You have to be wise. Um, but it's possibly not wisdom. God, God, God doesn't do that. He, he says... He lets consequences land. He says, you reap what you sow. Instead, help your children live with the consequences and help them learn from the consequences. Training, training, training your, chi- your children is, the next one is family protection. Because children have the ability to disintegrate a family. They can tear a marriage apart. They can devastate their parents. Get on it as soon as you can because it's family protection. I'm a quick story. There was a point in our children's lives where they were pretty much hitting their teenage years. I may have told you the story before. At our house, we call this the Great CD Massacre. And our firstborn son, who had started exhibiting, they were godly kids, good kids, but he really started showing an attitude and was terrible. And um, we started looking at it going, okay, we can't let this go. What's going on here? And we asked the Lord, give us wisdom. And now I'm not telling you this was, is the, the, the problem in your house. I'm just telling you this is what the Lord showed us at our house. He was listening to music, and the lyrics were terrible. Just rebellious, terrible, dark lyrics. And I said to him, don't want to hear that in our house. You can say that, parents, right? You can't control everything they do everywhere, but you do have some controls closer to home. And the attitudes continued, and the music continued. And one day, I said to him, in front of the other kids, I wasn't trying to make a case of him, but I didn't hide this. Go get that stack of CDs in your bedroom. Bring them out here, back deck. He brings him a stack about this tall. Sit down. I put, t- put the top one off list. Snap. <laughs> Big eyes. Snap. I, I start going down the list. And I'm calm, but determined. Snap. Um, 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 um. Snap. Oh, Dad, I, that's not mine. That's one of my friends. Mm, shouldn't have brought it here. Snap. <laughs> snap. A lot of these belong to my friends. I said, mm, snap. I told you, I told you, I asked you. The long and the short of it is that the music left the house and we watched his attitude change over the next weeks. He became the person that we knew. And what I said to him in those moments was this. Here's where I made the stakes huge. I said, Ben, we love you. Oh, Ben, I'm not supposed to bust his name like that. (laughs) 
Oh, I said oldest too. I need to make sure I call Ben and ask for forgiveness later. I, I said, Rachel, yes. Rachel's posting it. See, Ben, you made the sermon. Um, I said, here's the deal, Ben. I love you, but I will not let you pollute the heart of your younger sister and younger brother. You can't do that in this family. Good parenting is protecting your family. In love, somehow you have to do this. And that was one, one of our successes as parents. We made mistakes, but it's protecting your family. Proverbs 10, I'm going to give you these in rapid fire because we're, we're going long. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother because nobody ever gave birth to a wise son. That comes from training and discipline. Uh, Seventeen twenty-five. a foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Nineteen thirteen. a foolish son is ruin to his father. Look at the words there. Sorrow, grief, bitterness, ruin. These are description of the pain that comes to the family that makes no serious prolonged effort to train their children. Here's four things that parents do instead of training their kids. Instead of training their kids, some parents abdicate. You know, they're at the job, they're, they're on a fishing trip, they're pursuing a hobby, they're absent without leave, they abdicate. Another thing they do is they delegate. Oh, this, I got this covered, they're in a good school, and they're training my kids there. Is that what you believe? <laughs> they're doing something there, they're training, they're educating there, but they're not doing this. That's not their role. Or, or you, think, you think, well, they're in the youth group, and thank you for trusting us, and we will do what we can. But listen, we're the appetizer. You're the main course. Another thing that we do, and this is the word relegate. Our kids are seven or eight, and we think to ourselves, we're going to do this, you know, we'll get to this when we're in high school. We, we'll put this off to a later time. Don't relegate. And the last one is mitigate. You know, I support everything you're saying, Pastor Terry, but our family is in this terrible financial crisis right now, and that has to be our first priority. No. That's not your first priority. Okay, here's a quick one on priorities. God, your spouse, your children, in that order. In that order. That comes ahead of job, comes ahead of money, comes ahead of everything else. Don't mitigate. Now, I want to close and I want to say, um, spend the last moment here talking to the parents of prodigals. Your kids have grown up and they're not walking with God now and you wished maybe you had heard a message like this 20 or 30 or some years ago and you know you say to yourself what should I do now it's like I mean I, I didn't know these things or I just I didn't do do these things okay here's a scripture Proverbs 22 6 this is the cool scripture it says train up a child in the way he should go and when he was old, when he is old he will not depart from it first thing is do everything you can to train your children before they leave your home. Okay, I want to say that to all of you. Before they become prodigals, do everything you can while there is hope. But if they're now adults and they're not following the Lord, here's what I would suggest. First off, you need to live by the way yourself. You know, with your whole heart. Not only live the ways of God, but love the ways of God. With your whole heart model this life that's devoted to Christ and then let them see the contrast between the pain of sinful choices versus your joy of blessing that comes from obedience to God always be welcoming 
Always be loving towards them. Don't ever shun them. Don't shut them out. And appeal to them gently and lovingly. The Holy Spirit will direct you. Do not hammer them, but appeal to them gently and lovingly to find their way to the salvation of Christ. And then, you know, they'll, they will see it and they'll make decisions. And then pray and wait for God and wait for them. His timing and his miracles. I'm going to close by praying for prodigal children. Would you disagree with me on that? Lord, I, I know that this topic, in my heart as I was in my study, that there would be a tenderness towards families who would say, wow, I, I, I don't know, but my kids are kind of out there bumping into walls of life and having troubles, and it seems like they've, somehow I failed them. I first wanted to uh, ask God that your spirit would seep into souls of any parent that has been told that lie from the pit and cancel that lie because there, there could be a war in my soul about it. There could be a war in my heart about it. God, you, you're, you, your word says that you don't condemn anybody. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So I cancel that lie. I take authority over that lie in the name of Jesus. And I, I just ask God that you would, you would curse those lies and cause them to wither and die and go away. And instead, Lord, that you would place hope into those hearts. Now I want to pray for prodigal kids. I pray, Lord, for kids who have been trained. They know the word. They, they have had the opportunities to hear the good news. And yet somehow they have made those choices. I pray, Lord, that their pathway would become narrower and narrower and narrower, that you would lead them by chopping off freedoms to wander further. I ask, ask God that you would protect our kids, no matter their age. I pray, Lord, that there would be something of heaven that would woo. I, I want to ask for some, what it may seem like odd requests, but I pray, God, for our prodigal kids, a couple of things. First off, I pray that in their hearts they would begin to hunger for your word yes. supernaturally. Yes. That there would just be this, you know, I remember the stories about Jesus at Christmas and Noah and Moses and the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of curious about that stuff. And there would become a new and fresh openness in their soul to your word. Not to the stories, but to the loving, love, the, the loving, powerful truth of your word. That there would be an opening there and that Lord then, with the right with the right amount of foot on the throttle and the right amount of other foot on the brake, that the right person at the right moment might, might somehow help them make those steps. Your word says that you order the steps of the righteous. We claim that for our kids. And we claim the promises of the scripture that says that when we raise up a child in the way you go, they, they will, as they go old, they will not, they'll return, God, that they'll return. Thank you. And I thank you, Lord, for the miraculous miracle that every salvation is in the name of Jesus.